Welcome to LifeWords Day by Day. You know, several years ago, the Boston Red Sox were down three games to zero in the American League Championship Series. Failure after failure had plagued the Red Sox for over 80 years. And this just looked like it was gonna be another epic failure added to the collection because no team had ever come back from a three game to zero deficit in a championship series. But they did. And then they went on to win the World Series. I could go on and tell you sports story after sports story, but you don't wanna hear that. You wanna know if there's hope for the seemingly dead end, no win circumstances of your life. You wanna know if there's hope for your marriage, for your prodigal son, for your overcoming addiction for you changing the trajectory of your life. You wanna know if there's hope of outliving the shame of your past or for finding peace from your past. Most importantly, some of you are wondering if there's any hope for relieving the nagging sense of guilt that you can't seem to shake. Does God have anything to say to us regarding this? Does he have an answer? Does he offer any hope in seemingly dead end or no win situations? Listen to what it says in Luke chapter 23, verses 39 through 43. One of the criminals who were hanged railed at him, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. Well, this week, we're studying the words of Jesus that he speaks during the most excruciating pain of his life. And in our text, we see that Jesus is crucified with two other criminals, the Old, the Old Testament prophet Isaiah said that the Messiah would be numbered with the transgressors. And here's the Son of God, the bright and morning star, being treated like a thug of society, a criminal. He's crucified with sinners, by sinners, but for sinners. The sun setting on his life, his glory seemingly fading away, most of his followers having deserted him, he hung between two terrorists of mankind with the idea being conveyed to the rest of the world that he was just like them. And what takes place in the following conversation between Jesus and these criminals displays for us the depths of the power and grace of God, his willingness to save, and that if you still have breath in your lungs, it's never a dead end, no-win situation, no matter what anyone else says. Luke takes our focus from what is taking place around the cross with Jesus and the rulers and the people and the soldiers and zeroes in even closer to what is taking place upon the three crosses so that we can hear the conversation. And the first conversation presents us with a faulty perspective of life. The first criminal speaks to Jesus, showcasing his arrogance and selfishness, his blasphemy by saying, are you not the Christ? Then save yourself and us. He did this over and over, hour after hour, provoking and prodding. The text says that he railed or hurled his words at Jesus like poison-tipped arrows, using his words as a type of verbal persecution. Here's a man with a confused perspective of life. He thinks life revolves around him, and this is why he lived the kind of life that he lived. The word criminal doesn't mean just a petty thief. You don't crucify petty thieves. These men were bandits, outlaws. 
In those days, it was a dangerous venture to walk by yourself up the mountain to the city of Jerusalem because there would be men like this hiding out in the caves who would attack you and beat you and steal all of your stuff and then leave you for dead. They had no regard for anyone else but themselves. They lived their lives with themselves at the very center. They were a threat to a society, a drain on society, and the criminals didn't seem to care so long as they got what they wanted. And here, in his final moments, he hurls insults towards Jesus with only one aim, to save himself. Hey, Jesus, you say you're the Christ, the Messiah, the chosen one? Then prove it. I dare you to prove it by saving me. Get me off the hook. If you think you're so mighty and awesome, let's see it, buddy. This criminal had no real desire to see the power of the Messiah. He had no concern of whether or not Jesus was who he said he was. He just wanted the benefit. He only wanted himself to be saved. He wanted to use God for what he, the criminal, could use him for. He was just trying to manipulate Jesus for his own good so that he could go on living his selfish life. This man had a faulty perspective. He viewed Jesus as someone who was supposed to make him, the criminal, great. The criminal thought that the world revolved around himself and his wishes, and God was there to grant them. He viewed Jesus as a weak man who might be coaxed into action. And so did Satan. Do you remember when Jesus was led into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit, and Satan tries to coax Jesus by saying, Jesus, if you really are the Son of God, then do this? And you may think, well, that's despicable. How could someone be so low and thoughtless? But the reality is that all of us currently have or have had in the past this very same perspective. This criminal should stand as a stark reminder to all of us about all of us. We have all tried to use and manipulate God to our own bidding to conform Him to our will so that He would treat us like kings and queens. All of us have this disease, and if you would have been there that day, you would have been railing the same thing. But is this still your perspective of life and God? When you look at your life, do you make decisions based upon your preferences and your will and your desires? You see, this is why we need God's Word so much. It gives us an accurate picture of God and an accurate picture of ourselves. The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 45, I am the Lord and there is no other. Besides me, there is no God. I equip you, though you do not know me, that people may know from the rising of the sun and from the west that there is none besides me. I am the Lord, and there is no other. The Bible also says in Jeremiah 17 that the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. This is why we desperately need Jesus. He pays the penalty for our rebellion. Without God's word, without God's light, without the movement of the Holy Spirit in our lives and us responding to Him, we will always have a faulty perspective. But that day, Jesus was accomplishing something that would change the perspective, the very life of those who would see Jesus as the all-glorious Savior. Jesus could have saved Himself. He could have come off the cross, but He didn't because he was more interested in glorifying God and obtaining salvation for all who would believe. When you pray today, pray for Filomeno and Lisa Kakilala, our missionaries in the Philippines, that they continue to broadcast this story of Jesus. 
and also pray for the Mompruli broadcast in the target area of Ghana.